should be of the, aware of the responsibility that he has. The ladies also, as they teach and proclaim God's word to those whom they are teaching, there's an incredible responsibility to, to realize what we are doing and what we are attempting to do. In James chapter 3 and verse 1, James says, My brethren, be not many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the heavier judgment. That is, those who take on the responsibility of teaching others will be judged on a, a higher standard than those whom they are teaching. We not only have the ob our obligation to, to teach it right, but we have the obligation to teach it to where those whom we're teaching can understand. Jesus challenged his disciples to teach that others may be able to teach also. I heard Shelton talking about a class that he was teaching this week and he had some who were uh, having difficulty understanding what he was teaching. And he stayed afterwards to help them teach and he said he could see when the light came on. That moment when they said, oh, now I understand. And as any teacher can tell you, when, when they see that moment, it makes them feel like they have accomplished something. And I hope this evening, brethren, that the subject which I have uh, attempted to, to address will not only be easily understood, but it will be understood in such a way as that we can know that we have heard the truth. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus said, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits whether they are of God, because many pro false prophets are gone out into the world, and there are indeed many false prophets in the world. On almost every corner in this city, there is a church. There is either a congregation of the Lord's church or some generic church or some established denomination, and every day there are those who seek to establish a religious organization according to what they understand. And we call them brand X, we call them generic churches or whatever you might uh, wish to name it, but there are indeed many, many, many different religious organizations in this city. And Jesus tells us to try them, to prove them. I watched a video this week of how to get gold out of used computer circuit boards. Very intricate process, uh, very time consuming process. Uh, he used hydrochloric acid and bleach and he used a, an aquarium pump and a tube to keep the solution constantly moving where it would rinse the, the gold off of these circuit boards. And as he had these circuit boards in a bucket and he went through the process He would use a solution, he would rinse it, would put it in another bucket, use another solution, he would rinse it. And in the end, he strained it all through a coffee filter. And he wadded that coffee filter up and he put it into a dish and he burned it with an acetylene torch to get all the impurities out. And when he got through, he had a little ball of gold about the size of an M&M and it graded out at 99.75% pure. And I was amazed at the, the process that he had to go to do this, but he tried it. 
and he got all the impurities out, and when he got through, he had pure gold. This is what Jesus wants us to do. Try the spirits. Try those whom you have, have heard. And Frank would encourage you to do the same. Don't take what he says at face value. Try him. And hold what he says up to the word of God and see if it is true. And that is what any preacher who is worth his weight in salt will tell you to do. Try him according to the standard which we all have. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21, Paul says to prove all things, to hold fast to that which is good. We are to, to try those things which we hear, those things which we are taught, and hold them up to the standard which we have and see if they are true and hold on to these things. Don't be persuaded by others by emotions that that which we know is true is not so. In 1 Peter chapter in verse 15 Peter says but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear and he says having a good conscience that is we investigate these things we examine these things and with good conscience we accept them and we teach these things to others it amazes me how when we have a a catastrophe in this country, such as a mass shooting, that the police will come in, they will gather all the evidence, all the things that they can of this particular individual that they suspect has committed these crimes. They'll get his laptop, they'll go through his, uh, his Facebook records, his Twitter account, go through all these things, they'll get all this evidence. They will bring the forensic psychologists in, and they will investigate what this person has said. And through these means, they can create a profile. And they can determine what is going on in this person's life. And if they have not proven by now that this is the man that did it, they can through what he has on his computer and the things that he has said and done, the evidence that they have, they have enough evidence to convict him of the things that they believe that he is guilty of. This is the length that God wants us to do when there are those who are teaching us. We are to investigate what they have said, compare what they have said to the Word of God. And I say all these things, brethren, in preparation for the subject that I want to address tonight. And I'm telling you, brethren, there's a war on Christmas. I'm telling you, there's a war on Christianity. Well, we shouldn't be surprised that there's a war on Christianity because there was a war on Christianity from the beginning. There was a war on Christianity from the first century forward. The problem that we have here is that from the time that the pilgrims set foot on Plymouth Rock, our government has been a government that had a healthy respect for the Bible. Whether or not they followed it to the letter is another story, but they had a healthy respect for the Bible and for the principles which the Bible's teach, Bible teaches us. But for the past few decades, our government has been a government that has shunned the Bible. 
and slowly but surely it has turned its back on the word of God and allowed those forces that are antagonistic to God's word to have their preeminence in our government. And now I tell you there is a war on Christmas and this is just a, a small microcosm of what is going on in the world opposed to Christianity. There are those naysayers who say, ah, you're crazy. There's no war on Christmas. Don't believe that. How is there a war on Christmas? People celebrate it. People don't keep you from celebrating it and so on and so forth. But if we stop and think, brethren, there is a war on Christmas. When was the last time that you saw a TV commercial where the person or the company advertising had a Christmas sale? They have holiday sales. We observe Labor Day, they have Labor Day sales, they have Memorial Day sales, they have Fourth of July sales, they even have New Year's Day sales. But when it comes to Christmas, they have holiday sales. I saw a, a jingle on CBS a while ago where uh, it was CBS advertising the season. And they said, have a holly jolly holiday. What kind of holiday? If it was Labor Day, they would name Labor Day. They name everything but Christmas because Christmas has Christ as the focus of it. And I want you to bear with me, brethren, as I address this because I have some questions to ask. There is a war on Christmas. Stores have holiday sales. Whereas the schools once had Christmas break, they now have winter break. And we see these things coming at us and well-meaning Christians without thinking these things through are getting in the trenches with those in the denominations and others and they are fighting this war on Christmas. And we, brethren, are in a unique position where we have to ask ourselves, are they right? Or should we be there in the trenches with the denominations and others and fight this war on Christians. We need to ask ourselves several things. Number one is, is it right, is it scriptural to observe Christmas as a religious holiday? Is it scriptural for us to observe Christmas as the birth of Jesus, as the religious world in general tells us that we should do? Is it right to observe Christmas as a secular holiday? By that I mean, is it okay for us to assemble with our family and friends on December the 25th and exchange gifts and have fellowship and gather for meals and so on and so forth? I mean, what can be wrong with this? What is wrong with families getting together and eating and exchanging gifts? Throughout the course of, of history, Whenever there's a war, nations have stopped the fighting for one day, for Christmas Day. They will call a truce and will not fight on that day. World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, all these wars on Christmas Day, there was a truce that was declared from midnight Christmas Eve to midnight Christmas Day. 
and there was no fighting done. During the war between the states, when these truces were declared on Christmas Day, the opposing forces would actually go and visit each other. And they would exchange tobacco, they would exchange coffee, they would exchange food and clothing, whatever the other side was short of on this particular day. From midnight Christmas Eve until midnight Christmas Day. And they would enjoy each other's fellowship. They would actually share meals together. But after midnight on Christmas Day, these two armies will start killing each other again. But for one day, because they observed it as the birthday of Jesus Christ, the day that the Savior was born, they would cease the hostilities. Is it wrong to have a tree in our house? Some 40 years ago when, when Barry Hatcher and, and Melanie were working with the Highland Gardens congregation, they lived at the corner of Spiegel Street and Wallina Street, Wallina Avenue in Highland Gardens. Barry would not put up a Christmas tree. And I thought it was kind of odd at the time. I mean, I did not grow up in the church. Christmas was just something that we celebrated, and I thought everybody celebrated. And when Barry didn't put up a tree, I didn't understand, but he explained it to me. He didn't put up a tree because he didn't want the neighbors to think that he observed Christmas as the birthday of Jesus. He did not want to give the wrong impression. He saw nothing wrong with it himself. But in order not to give the wrong impression to others, he wouldn't put up a tree. Whether they do now or not, I, I don't know. But I remember that very vividly. But is it wrong to put up a tree in our house? What impression do we leave on others when, when we observe these things? When we go along with society in general, and on this particular day we have friends over, we swap gifts, we give and receive gifts, we have fellowship with our family, we take the day off of work. We need to ask ourselves, are these things okay? Most of us remember on Christmas morning as, as little ones, the joy that we had going and opening gifts. It's one particular Christmas I remember because Daddy bought us a go-kart. And the last thing he said before we went outside was, don't get that go-kart in the street. You leave it in the front yard. A half hour later, he looked outside. And then he told us, don't ride that go-kart in the front yard. You keep it in the street because we tore the front yard up. But we all have vivid memories of Christmas morning and the joy that we got receiving gifts and then also when others received or got happiness from the gifts that we gave. What could be wrong with this? We assume this is okay. But have we stopped, brethren, to ask if it's scriptural? Have we stopped to, to ask ourselves and, and to do the research and to study and, and see if these things are really okay? Have we assumed wrong? Most of the arguments that support observing Jesus, uh, Christmas as a religious holiday 
or emotional. We've always done it. The church says it's right. My family does it. I don't know of a reason that we can't, and so on and so forth. But look at the things that, that the churches do. Candlelight vigils. I asked Frank if we would have one tonight. He said no. Candlelight vigils. They're simply there, brethren, to be an emotional, warm, fuzzy thing to make people feel good that they have done something spiritual. What about the Christmas plays where people practice for, for weeks and months to perform these plays in the church and they're simply there for entertainment? They're not there for worship. What about the nativity scenes? Uh, some congregations, even of the Lord's church, are now doing nativity scenes for Christmas. But are these things scriptural? Or are they simply an emotional thing to, to make people feel better about what they're doing? You cannot do the right thing the wrong way. You cannot worship God and be acceptable by doing the wrong things. Several years ago, uh, one Christmas Eve, was at a, a grocery store with my father-in-law. And I don't remember what we were buying, just a couple of odds and ends. And we were in line behind a man who had two bottles of wine. He had one in each hand. And he was feeling pretty good, and he set those bottles of wine on the counter, and he was talking to the cashier, and he said, I am going to celebrate Christmas. And then they got to talking about how Christmas was Jesus' birthday and what a great day it was and how great Jesus was and so on and so forth. And Tammy's daddy interrupted him for just a moment, and he looked at the man and he said, have you ever thought about the fact that you're buying wine to celebrate the birth of the very one who's going to condemn you for drinking that. And the man had nothing to say. He just turned around and paid for his wine and he walked out. But people don't stop to think and ask themselves, is what we're doing the right thing to do? Is what I'm doing scriptural? Am I doing, am I remembering Jesus the way that he wanted to be remembered? Turn with me, with you, uh, if you will, brethren, to, um, and I, I knew I should have, should have changed this. Second, Second Samuel chapter six. At the end of verse five, uh, chapter five, the Israelites had just conquered the Philistines. God had delivered them to David and to his army, and they did exactly as God had said, and the Philistines were conquered. And David and his soldiers were feeling good. I mean, they had accomplished a great thing. Their mortal enemies had been conquered. They had been vanquished. And David was in control. Now pick up with me, if you will, chapter 6 and verse 1. And again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. 30,000 men. These were not just men. They were, they were soldiers. They were valiant men. They were men's men, strong, fearless, doing the will of God. They had just accomplished a great thing. And they thought that since God had given them Philistines, 
God was on their side. There was nothing that they could do. Nothing they could do that was wrong. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from, from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gobeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gabeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Here they were. Can you imagine the joy that was in their hearts? They slew the Philistines, they had the ark of God with them, and they were on their way. And listen to the attitude that they have. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. They were a happy bunch. 30,000 men celebrating, joyous, happy, thinking that they were doing God's will as God had said. They assumed they assumed. And that's as far, brethren, as far as their knowledge took them. They never questioned, never questioned whether what they were doing was right or wrong so far as the way they were handling the Ark of the Covenant. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. They were not carrying the Ark of the covenant correctly and the oxen stumbled and it shook and Uzzah put forth his hand to secure it and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there for his error and there he died by the ark of God this was no small thing that happened to Uzzah I honestly believe brethren that it wasn't the fact that he fell over dead we really don't know what happened, but whatever it was was to the point that everyone knew that God did it. David knew God did it because David was angry with God. They assumed, assumed that what they were doing was right. And many of my brethren assumed that by celebrating Christmas as Jesus' birthday, they are doing the right thing. I say meaning my brethren because I've heard them say it. Well-intentioned as they are, and I don't mean this to be a, uh, an ugly thing, but, but they do it because they have not examined whether or not this is to be observed as Jesus' birthday and whether or not God has allowed it. They are as... Uzzah and as David and the rest of these Israelites were, they are assuming that what they're doing is right. The very popularity of Christmas should make us question whether or not God authorizes it. Do you know of anything that the church does scripturally correct that the world rejoices in? Anything so far as Christianity that the church does or, or, or that the religious world does, 
that the world rejoices in? The fact that Christmas is so popular should, should put a question mark in our mind, brethren. No, anybody can celebrate Christmas. The Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the nominal Christians, the atheists even celebrate Christmas. They get together on this day and they give gifts and, and uh, celebrate with family. All these things should make us ask ourselves, is this the way that God wants us to remember Jesus? If in reality, December 25th were a date set by God to remember the birth of Jesus, there is no doubt the world would have nothing to do with it. I know that because God has set aside one day each week for us to worship him. And we can tell by the empty seats in here that the world does not respect what God has said. If God has said to observe December the 25th of each year as the birth date of Jesus, the world would ignore it. God has given each of us seven days in each week. He has given us six days to do the things that we need to do, to work, to make a living, for recreation, to tend to our families, and so on and so forth. But the first day of the week, brethren, he has set aside for us to worship him. But the world ignores it. The world ignores this one day a week that God has set aside for us to worship him. On that day, the first day of the week, God has told us how he wants us to remember Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given it, he broke it, and he said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, so often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. It is not the baby in the manger that God has told us to remember. You see, the world loves the baby in the manger, does it not? Who doesn't love babies? That little innocent child who in himself or herself, they are helpless. They have unbounded love. They have no sin. They have no hate. Who could not love a baby? But in that Savior that hangs on the cross, that Savior who shed his blood for us and he shed his blood for the church, there is a responsibility. There's an obligation that is placed upon each one of us to live our lives according to the pattern that God has set, to obey the gospel, 
to live good lives, to live pure lives, and to worship on the first day of the week. The world doesn't like that. The world doesn't like responsibility. The world likes to be coddled. The world likes those preachers who tell us that everything is going to be okay. The world likes those preachers like Joel Osteen who say, if, if you follow me, the Lord is going to bless you with lots and lots of money and lots and lots of things. Just as the, the Israelites were when they said unto the prophets, teach us smooth things, prophesy deceits. That's what the world wants to hear. But that Savior on the cross tells us that we are responsible for his being up there. And on the first day of the week when we get together, when we come together to partake of the Lord's Supper, this is what God wants us to remember, that Jesus died for us. One day a week, the first day of the week, God commands that we worship him. And he tells us how he wants us to worship. But does the world do this? No, of course it doesn't. We have a constant stream of cars that ride by here every worship service. People giving no thought to what God has said. As we would expect, the world loves Christmas, but it hates Jesus. The merchants love the money that Christmas brings in, but they hate Jesus. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. The world hated Jesus. And the world will hate us as we follow Jesus because we remind the world of what Jesus did. And the blood that he shed and the fact that that sin will convict us. And when we live Christian lives, we remind people that, that they are sinners. And we remind them that they are not doing what they're supposed to do. And people don't like to be told what to do. The world in general shuns anything that pertains to religion. It does. Shouldn't we be just a little suspicious of a religious celebration in which the whole world can rejoice without qualms, without question? Have we asked ourselves these things? Is it okay to celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday? Is it okay to celebrate Christmas in general? Is it lawful, brethren, for us to observe Christmas as a secular holiday? Have we asked ourselves these things? I will admit, brethren, there have been many times when people have said that there is no war on Christmas, that I've got a little angry. Because there is a war on Christmas, but in general, there's a war on Christianity. 
But can we get into tr the, the trenches with the denominations and fight those who are trying to take Christ out of Christmas? In all good conscience, we cannot. Because this is, brethren, an unscriptural holiday if we observe it as a religious holiday. Because God has not authorized it. Can we observe Christmas as a secular holiday? I believe, brethren, we have to use good judgment. That we have to be careful what we do, that we have to let others know that, that we don't believe that God has authorized us to celebrate Christmas as the birthday of Jesus. He has not done so. He has plainly told us to remember Jesus as he hung on the cross. And we're to do this on the first day of each week, not just one day a year. And that's how we are to observe and remember Jesus. In Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 13, Paul says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge us rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Are we putting a stumbling block in others' way when we observe Christmas? Or are we putting a stumbling block in our brother's way in the manner in which we observe Christmas? We observe this holiday on December the 25th. He goes on to say, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Does it pain your conscience to celebrate December the 25th as Christmas Day? I believe, brethren, that we can get together and we can exchange gifts. I believe we can have a tree in our house as long as we don't have that tree there as a religious symbol. There's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. There's nothing in the scriptures that prohibit us from doing this. But we have to be careful, brethren, that we not put these things to the forefront where they will cause others to stumble. I know I've probably done a, a poor job of, of presenting this, and, and I'm sure that there are some in this audience who could make a, a series out of this that would last until this time next year. But I do believe that by the scriptures we can clearly understand that, that Christmas is not Jesus' birthday, and that is not how God wants us to remember and observe our Lord and Savior. Just look at the fiasco that we have surrounding Christmas. Without fail, without fail, there are fights in the malls. All because somebody wanted a crock pot. Tiffany said that she learned a long time ago to stay away from Black Friday sales, but this time she couldn't resist it. So they were in town, and I think they went to the Walmart, and we talked, but she said she just wanted to see what was going on and said there was a lady in there. She, there was something that had a sign on it. She was just raking it in her buggy. 
And I forget what she said. And Tiffany Googled it. She started laughing, and she told her husband, said, Alan, she said, that stuff she's putting in her buggy, she said, that's regular price. They just put a sign on it. And the woman overheard what she said and said she started putting it back on the shelf. And people go nuts. All because they think they're getting something on sale. I'm amazed at the stuff that people buy that they wouldn't ordinarily buy. That they give it gifts and it, it does nothing. It serves no purpose. And 90% of the time they re-gift it to somebody else the next year. All because they want to give something. Or it's an impulse buy. But society has made a mockery out of what the religious world said should be the birthday of Jesus. Let us not assume, brethren, that what we're doing right. Don't assume that what I'm telling you is right. I want you to investigate, to study. And if I'm wrong, let me know, brethren. But above all, let us do what's right. Let us investigate. Let us study. Let us make sure that what we're doing on December the 25th is in accordance with the scriptures. Because there are many, many, many people, brethren, who have made honest mistakes because they assumed what they were doing was right. If you are here this evening, brethren, and there may be some who are of age, have not obeyed the gospel, perhaps you are considering this. We would encourage you to do so that you would hear the word, that you would repent of your sins, you would confess Jesus as your Savior. You would be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, and you would live that Christian life, and you would have that home in heaven. It's a simple plan that God has given to us. Perhaps there are some here who have made mistakes. They have allowed things of this world to get in the way. Perhaps they have stumbled. Perhaps you just need the prayers of the brethren. If you have any need, we ask you to come as we stand and sing. When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him will he find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright. Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the soul's bright home? Say, will he find you and me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come? If at the dawn of the early morning He shall call us one by one When to the Lord we restore our talents Will He answer thee well done? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother Ready for the soul's bright home Say, will he find you and me still watching, waiting, when the Lord shall come? Bless.
Blessed are those whom the Lord finds watching, in His glory they shall share. If He shall come at the dawn or midnight, will He find us watching there? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the soul's bright home? Say, will he find you and me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come?